Our earlier book, The Sexual Person, Toward a Renewed Catholic Anthropology, was highly acclaimed by its academic critics and was selected by the Catholic Press Association as the best theological book of 2009. That book, however, was written primarily for our fellow theologians, and that, countless readers told us, made it a difficult read for those who were not theologically trained. That complaint, allied to a fairly common request for a Catholic book on sexual morality that people in the pews and my students can understand, is the origin of this book. It is offered to the general educated Catholic population in the hope that it will be more readable and therefore more enlightening on common questions about sexual morality as they arise for Catholics in the contemporary world. 21st Century Sexual Science, perhaps especially the critiques offered by feminist scholars, have made clear to us that ancient assumptions about sexuality and sexual intercourse are not entirely accurate. The advice of Pythagoras to keep to the winter for sexual pleasures in summer abstain. Sexual pleasures are less harmful in autumn and spring, but they are always harmful and not conducive to health, will surely make 21st century adults smile. But the pain and disaster daily experienced in the sexual area, especially by the young, indicates that we have more to do than smile. We must understand more about our sexuality and the principles that direct it morally and make it truly human than did Holden Caulfield, J.D. Salinger's tortured protagonist in The Catcher in the Rye. It is to facilitate that dual understanding that this book is offered. Two magisterial principles capture the essence of the Catholic moral, sexual tradition. The first principle received its modern articulation in Pope Paul VI's encyclical Humanae Vitae. Each and every marriage act must remain open to the transmission of life. The second was enunciated by the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. Any human genital act whatsoever may be placed only within the framework of marriage. In the Catholic tradition, moral sexual activity is institutionalized within the confines of marriage and procreation, and sexual morality is marital morality. These two principles do not have the same theoretical underpinning. The first is founded in what is called nature or natural order. The structure of sexual acts reveals to the attentive and rational person the form that each and every sexual act must take to be in accord with nature and the will of nature's creator. The second is founded in human reason, attention to and understanding, evaluation, and rational judgment of the various aspects of an issue reveal to attentive, rational, and responsible human beings what right sexual conduct ought to be. These two different ways of arriving at moral principles have a long history in the Catholic moral tradition. Thomas Aquinas argued, for example, that there are two ways in which a sexual act is rendered unbecoming— First, through being contrary to right reason. Secondly, because in addition, it is contrary to the natural order of the sexual act as becoming to the human race. In his influential 1951 speech to Italian midwives, 
Pope Pius XII argued from the same two sources. On the one hand, he did not condemn the prevention of procreation in a marriage. On the other hand, he condemned artificial prevention of procreation in marital intercourse. In the first case, right reason dictates how a married life should be lived. In the second, the nature of the sexual act dictates how it should be performed within marriage. These two ways of arriving at moral principle and judgment on sexual ethical questions are evident throughout Catholic tradition and will recur regularly throughout this book.